0: Let's pray. We're so thankful, Father, for your goodness and mercy and so many things. We, we just can't uh, declare them all. You do a lot more for us and through us than, than we know. It's a wonderful mystery to be able to have fellowship with God, the maker of heaven and earth and all that is. I pray, Lord, uh, that as small a funnel as we are, that you will pour through us what we can receive and help us, Lord, to deal with it in more than an intellectual way. I pray that what the Scripture is saying and what the Holy Spirit is saying will be an impartation, will form us, shape us, and uh, make us more than we are. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. It's a wonderful privilege. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to the book of Mark, the uh, 12th chapter. In a few moments, I will read from verse 29 and 30. It's a wonderful opportunity and and honor to be here. I come for the introductions. Uh, (laughs) Actually, Kevin builds me up so much it lasts me through the year. I, uh, I'm not used to uh, kind words like that. Uh, I was born before self-esteem was invented. <laughs> and My father and mother never learned anything about it either. <clears throat> anyway, it's... Uh, <laughs> praise God. Did you record that, by the way? I'd I like a copy of it if you... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Brother Baxter, who was a very eloquent man and now with the Lord, was explaining to my father uh, some very nice things about me that uh, um, were, were extremely kind. And my father was a plain spoken person. And when Ern caught his breath, Dad said, Yes, and if it wasn't for the grace of God, he'd be in hell right now. <laughs> And my dad knew better than anybody else. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. Anyway, aren't you glad for the Lord? Um, I'm going to talk about the mind, uh, and I'm hoping that mine will be clear while I'm talking about it. Um, I uh, <clears throat> have come to uh, become. Very interested in the topic and and uh, I trust I can say something that the lord would would want said um, here this morning. How many of you know we miss a lot of clues? You ever look back and say, "Wow, I didn't <laughs> there was a lady told her husband said why don't you uh why don't you do like our neighbor? He gives his wife chocolates and cards and flowers and he said." Why would I do that? I don't even know that woman. Uh, I can believe that happened. (laughs) Couple had been going together a long time and he never popped a question. And finally she said, look, uh, why don't we get married? He said, yeah, but who would have us? Um, (laughs) Oh, me. I'll leave that alone. But we do. We miss a lot of clues. Um, I want to read. Let me go ahead and read the text. (coughs) Excuse me for being a little hoarse. Um, Verse 29, Mark 12, New King James. The first of all commandments is, Hear, O Lord, the Lord our God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, this is the first commandment. <clears throat> um, I think it's easy to skip the love your mind part. We we understand our soul in a sense. We understand our spirit and our motivation, and and loving God even with your strength. But I believe that the mind part is often underestimated and left to so-called intellectuals who don't love God or know God. Now, many do, of course, but an intellectual approach to God is not what I'm advocating. What I'm advocating is having the mind of God, or having the mind of Christ. How many of you believe God's mind's a little better than ours? Anybody here believe that? How many of you like to have more of the mind of God? We're made in His image. And the mind uh, is extremely important. Um, I'm really struggling because I want to go in so many different directions on this topic. But one of the things that Jesus did when He came is try to change the mind of the culture. That's a big job. I mean, you know, that takes a miracle. I mean, it's hard to change your own thinking, let alone somebody else's thinking. And yet that's what God wants to do for all of us, is to change how we think and, to a large extent, what we think. Um, it's not about mind control, it's about mind conformity. The Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing renewing of the mind. So the mind being renewed or changing how we think is critical to our transformation. Now, I'm not a Christian scientist, and if you know what that means, I, I believe in the power of positive thinking, but I don't necessarily believe that uh, everything I think positively is going to happen. I don't try to control myself by thinking positively. I don't try to control other people by my thoughts about them. (laughs) I have tried. That doesn't work. Anyway, but what I'm saying is it does matter how you think, and it matters to you, and it matters to your brain, the the biological organ, and the mind and the brain are not the same thing. The mind is the steering wheel of the brain. And we live in a world where everything's trying to get the steering wheel. And the car often is out of control because we don't have a firm grip on our mind let alone god having a firm grip on our mind so i want to i want to try to impart how important israel was destroyed primarily because they couldn't change their mind cultures go down because they can't change their mind and uh, some foreign or destructive force our way of thinking gets control of the mind and gets control of the body and the destiny. A long time ago, that's how most of my stories begin, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> I was only six when I, I was a child evangelist when I went into <laughs> I wished. Anyway. Um, a long time ago, we slept in a home in Mobile, Alabama, that was not air conditioning, air conditioned, and uh, so we had a big attic fan, and it drew, it would suck an airplane in, it was really powerful. <laughs> 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 You'd really need something if you don't have air conditioning in Mobile, and um So one morning, and by the way, we we slept with the window open right at the head of our bed. So we'd get that air coming in. And right by the window was a bush, a real thick bush, so you had privacy. And one morning, about 5 o'clock, a blue jay landed in the bush, 5 o'clock in the morning. Um, I guess you have blue jays out here, I don't know, but it's a nasty bird. Um, (laughs) LAUGHTER it's, it's loud, it's raucous, it's a pest, and anyway, it's hard to handle unless you're very sanctified. Anyway, so one morning, and this happened morning after morning after morning, and um, you couldn't close the window, you, you know, you didn't want to get out of bed. Anyway, one morning I got up and walked around the corner of the house, And the blue jay was in the bush, and there was a cat at the base of the bush, and I realized what had happened. That cat and that blue jay had got into a relationship, (laughs) and the cat had things in mind for the blue jay, and the blue jay was charmed by the cat. Now, the blue jay could have flown over Mississippi or Florida or Georgia, but it landed in that bush morning after morning, because it got the cat on its mind. (laughs) The cat had control of the blue jay, because he had his mind. And I said to you, stupid blue jay, you need to fly off somewhere else. Well, unfortunately, one morning I walked around the corner of the house, and there were blue jay feathers all over the ground. Now, that probably should have the benediction right now. Because I think you understand what I'm saying, that whatever controls your mind can bless you or kill you. The mind is the steering wheel of your destiny. Now I'm not discounting the spirit at all. That's the motivating power. But I want to, you know, it's no good to have a 500 horsepower engine if you can't steer it. And if you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit and have the power of God and lose your mind, it's not going to be good. And don't think that can't happen. And so I want to talk about this. I keep saying I want to talk about it. Well, go ahead and talk about it. I'm trying to. (laughs) The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Um, And I think he's thinking about the thinking part. The Scripture says a lot about the mind. Um, it, It says in Philippians 2, Have this mind in you which was in Christ Jesus. By the way, the mind of Christ I think is best explained in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. Now, I challenge you to read the Sermon on the Mount and ask yourself, Am I really up to the mind of Christ? Love your enemies. Do good to those that spitefully use you. If you're forced to take a a burden one mile, take it two. Go beyond the call of duty. Forgive. Uh, There's a whole lot of interesting stuff there, Um, which which is, by the way, uh, about our thinking. the, the, The Sermon on the Mount is not about theology. Now, I believe in sound doctrine. The Sermon on the Mount really is about how you think. It's about ethics. It's about your relationships. It's about how you handle things and how you handle people. You you can be perfectly good in doctrine and be lousy in how you're dealing with people. In fact, some some of the most perfect theologically are lousy in dealing with people. You're going to hell, and I'm glad of it. You know, now, that's, that attitude can happen. Um, anyway, I, uh, I just, uh, I want the loving God with your mind, which transforms your life part, to be operative. How many, how many of you understand the older you get, the harder it is to change your mind? Well, I'm a wonderful Christian, but just don't move my stuff. You know, (laughs) I like it like it is. That's how God made it. Leave it alone. Um, And some idiot, uh, some person (laughs) tampers with my stuff. (laughs) This is hard. I hate it when confession comes on me in the pulpit. But... (laughs) But I've got it fixed, leave it alone. Now, how many of you understand, we miss the clues because of our perspective or our preconceived notion. We only hear what we like. I only, well, anyway, I won't go there. We just, and so the thing that is important, maybe it's not Maybe it's not the whole thing you don't like, but maybe nestled in there somewhere, something you really need to hear. And later you look back and say, "I wish I'd heard that," um, because it would have changed your mind, and that would have actually affected your brain. Think about that biologically. I like Dr. Caroline Leaf. Anybody here listen to Caroline Leaf? Several of you. She's a neuroscientist and a Christian. And uh, <clears throat> she, um, she talks about how you can do a, I'm, I'm not going to use the right term, a scan, as it were, of the brain, and you can see the pathways of thought. And that if a person consistently thinks a certain way, all the time it's like a superhighway. And you can see it on a scan. And if, you, if they keep it up, that they actually build malls and cities around it. <laughs> it becomes entrenched. It's a fortress. Now, if somehow they change their thinking, <clears throat> then all that begins to fade away, and there are new paths. New paths. Now, she's, she told a story, and I hope I get it exactly right, that... <clears throat> is fantastic. She said, a young lady, I I would take it to be somebody in their teens or something like this, had a bad accident and was in a coma and her parents were told that if she ever wakes up she will be like a vegetable. But what they did was they read the Bible to her in her state and they played Christian music to her continuously and they did that over and over and over again. And two weeks later, she woke up, and they continued that process, and she became cognizant, and to cut to the chase, she became a genius, smarter than she was before the accident. Now, here's what I'm trying to convey that input had a physiological effect on the brain. Now, many of you want a healthy brain. So what comes from the mind, the mind being all the information that you focus on. So what comes from the mind is like a pipeline into the brain, and it has a physiological effect on the brain, which, of course, has a big effect on the body. I mean, you know, the brain can affect your body. Uh, depression can have terrible effects, uh, anxiety, anger, bitterness. So it's not just that God wants us to be moral, God wants you to be healthy by changing how you think or being conformed to how He thinks, which is constantly regenerating us, hopefully, even if you're 80 or 90. Um, <laughs> well, I'm very interested in keeping my mind. The older you get, the more you get concerned about dementia and um, uh, Alzheimer's, uh, just being stupid. <laughs> So I'm, I'm dealing with you practically now, folks. And someday, all of you, if you're blessed, you'll get older. And I didn't say old, I said older. And <clears throat> this will be a, an issue. But wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if you got hold of this when you were a kid and some blue jay didn't get your brain? Um, Caroline Leaf. I would encourage you to, um, to listen to her. She's on YouTube. She's, I've read some of her books, and um, they're great. Switch on Your Brain is one of them by Caroline Leaf, L-E-A-F. Um, I have a friend named Rex Miller. Rex has a company called MindShift. Rex is a high-dollar consultant, and he's been a consultant in some of the largest corporations in the country. And um, anyway, Mind Shift—it's an interesting name for a company, isn't it? And his whole focus—and without going into too much detail—now I know this doesn't sound particularly spiritual, but it is. Um, Rex—I've known Rex since he was young. He—he he became part of our overall movement from Chicago, and um, he got. Into a business with some guys on building office furniture. And in the process, got interested in office architecture. And began to notice that the cubicles and the way offices are set up, that uh, people were isolated from one another. And the, the corner office never met the guy on the street. And so <clears throat> he began to advocate. Collaboration, which is like collaboration, getting people together instead of apart. Now, um, so he advocated architecture with common areas, more coffee uh, chairs, you know, people to meet each other, uh, and. People who are doing different things became part of the same thing through collaboration. And that uh, psychology or that effect has hit uh, companies like Microsoft and others, big, big companies, so that people see that they're part of a whole and not just a separate thing. Then they got interested in caring for the employees and realized that a lot of the problems that affected work actually were happening at home, or because they had a long commute and and needed a car or something. And so they began to take the whole person into consideration. And he's written books on health and so forth. Now, what I'm, what I'm saying is, If you can change people's minds about things, you can affect a better outcome. From the time you meet Jesus, he's trying to change your mind. When you're born again, you may go to heaven, but your life may be like hell sometime because you're thinking wrong. You're thinking wrong about yourself. You're thinking wrong about other people. You're thinking wrong about the purpose of God, thinking wrong about what He wants you to do. Whatever it is, how many of you know if you get on the wrong road, you go to the wrong place? And so, um, it's not just about going to heaven. It's about being transformed. How are we going to be transformed? By what? The renewing of our minds. And, the, of course, He, he says, have this mind in you which is in Christ Jesus, who though he was God, thought it not robbery, to who was equal with God, became like us and became a servant, made himself of no reputation. Sounds per- perfectly natural, doesn't it? Sometimes people help you with that too. And anyway and because, and became obedient to death, even the death on the cross, wherefore God raised him up, and now he's seated at the right hand of the Father. So he was able to humble himself, and the Father exalted him. How many of you understand that it's easy to think, just like the world, about how to get exalted? Did I lose the anointing? What happened? How many of you know that ambition can also be a Christian problem? our problem with Christians, I'm saying. So, God is trying to change our minds. Now, I don't know what it's about with each of us. I could tell you some of the things it's about with me, but I'm not going to do that. (laughs) I've already told you some of them. I mean, you got your own deal. We're not cookie cut. We're not stamped down. Christians are not all alike. You got your own deal. Maybe you think, maybe, maybe you're just a natural negative thinker. Maybe you've had some bad experiences. Maybe you don't trust. You know, maybe you're you're sensitive, easily offended. I don't know what. Maybe you have an anger problem. <laughs> <I didn't> <laughs> <laughs> oh, help me, Jesus. Anyway, uh <laughs> my mother was Cajun. <coughs> And in my early years were in the swamps of Louisiana and I had relatives. She had 11 brothers and sisters <clears throat> and raised Catholic. A lot of cousins, I don't even know all my cousins. I don't know many of them at all. But I know this about them, don't mess with them. Uh, <clears throat> if they like you, you can have anything they got. If they don't, you should be leaving early. <laughs> The first game warden that ever came into the community never came out, so I'm being serious. I had a cousin and an uncle that didn't speak for 25 years and they lived next door. So I I had to deal with some things. I got some genes that I didn't ask for. (laughs) They've served me well at certain times, but anyway, (laughs) mind shift. It's easy to let something grab your brain You can't sleep. It's not right. It's not fair. And the cat gets the bird. The Cost of a bad mindset. Carl Jung said, people don't have ideas. Ideas have people. That's a good statement. If an idea is going to have you, be sure it's a good idea. It's bad when a bad idea has you. You say, well, how how can I know if it has me? Well, if you can't think about anything else, if you can't get it out of your mind, if you can't talk about something else, it's got you. And uh, my advice would be to see if that idea measures up to the Sermon on the Mount or Philippians 2 or... You know, Philippians 4, things are good, think on these things. Because you don't want brain damage. Jesus um, had a mindset, he set his mind on the will of the Father and wouldn't change it. And this in the face of the cross, he said always do those things that please the Father. Religion doesn't save you. There's a lot of scripture, Isaiah and Hebrews 13 and elsewhere, that God's not looking for religion. He's looking for a certain kind of attitude. He's looking for a heart. You have to be careful with, in with, religion it's okay, it's a discipline, but you have to be careful anything you do over and over, you can begin to do it without thinking about it. And it becomes meaningless. And then it no longer is a good idea because other things can rule you while we still do our religion. I used to race cars doing church. I sat in the back, dad wouldn't see me, and me and my buddy would go out and race cars. We never had a fast, really fast car, but I did the best I could with what I had. And I nearly got killed. It had in my mind. I still like a good good engine. <laughs> <laughs> I like it when it squeals the second time it shifts. Anyway, but if if it gets your mind, the cat will get you. I know because the cat got me. Um, The Apostle Paul got his mind changed. He was religious. And he was a killer. Peter was religious. He could go to sleep in the most important prayer meeting and cut you after prayer meeting. We're not talking about religion. We're talking about what's actually got your mind. When the Lord meets you, he loves you even where you are. The way you think, aren't you glad? He's merciful, but he wants to work on your mind because he wants you healthy. He wants you blessed. He wants you to be a blessing. He wants you to be a light in the darkness. But stage one has to go to stage two where he changes our thinking. I I love Gideon. Gideon, Gideon had an idol in his house when he was young and, and he was scared. The Midianites were all over the land and every time the, the Hebrews would get a little grain or something, the Midianites would get it. And, and so um, Gideon, who was in an idolatrous home and was hiding in the wine press, grinding out a little wheat so the Midianites wouldn't see it and get it, and the angel of the Lord appears and says, Hail, you mighty man of valor. Now, God has a sense of humor. He wasn't a mighty man of valor. He was a, an idol-worshiping coward trying to survive. But God had a different mind for him. And he became what God called him a mighty man of valor. He went against the Midianites with 300 and won. If the angel of the Lord came to you this morning, what would he he say? What would he call you? What does God have for you? Whatever it is, it will depend on how you think about it. If you believe it, you know faith, among other things, is in the mind. Now, I believe it's a gift from the Spirit, but it's in the mind. If we're going to be transformed, we have to be willing to lay down some things that we think. I'm not suggesting any particular thing. I'm not suggesting you throw away your absolutes. I'm not suggesting that we all become so open minded but what I am what I am trying to say we've got to listen better and not be thinking about what we're going to say when they're through or when God's through so that if God has more do you, how many of you believe God does have more that, that you can and I can receive it, even if you're 80 years old or 90, that God could still look at our mind and say, that's, that's fertile ground, not full of weeds. I can still adjust that and change that person to be more than they ever thought they could be or anyone else thought they could. Let this mind be in you, which is in Christ. If you be risen with Christ, set your mind. Set your mind on things above where Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. It's easy to get caught up in stuff, stuff the culture's caught up in. It's easy. Coming at us from every direction about all there is on TV is the current culture. It's, it's what's on social media. It's, it's what, oh, I'm sorry, I have to t- tend to this now. It's got my mind. Uh, you and I can't change our biology. That is, we can't change Our genes. I'd I'd love to change some of mine, but there they are. I want to be big. I want to play football. I played football, but I couldn't go to the next level because I wasn't big enough. I invited all kinds of spirits into my life in order to achieve more. (laughs) And some entered. Now, but but I, I, I told my coach, I was 12 years old, I was as big at 12 as I am right now. My Sunday school teacher was a coach. And I said, he said, what do you want to be? I said, I don't want to be an NFL football player. He said, you'll never be. Oh, he put a curse on me right there. <laughs> I said, why do you say that? He said, I know your dad and your mama and neither one of them are big. I thought, how unfair i really love football i really did i mean i played and uh, i played four years i I loved it and uh, but i didn't have the right genes but i learned something even if you can't control your genes you can control your mind that's something that's your job Your mom and dad gave you your genes, and they may have given you some foundations, but your genes don't have to control your mind. Christ will help you control your mind. Isn't that wonderful? That we can have the mind of Christ. When when I go to pray in the evening, I ask myself, what kind of a mind am I about to talk? I love, well, I love astronomy. I like the pictures. I don't know much about astronomy. But I love these books that's got these big pictures of the galaxies. Don't you like that? Gorgeous. And different galaxies have different colors. Beautiful. I mean, you can see looking on a page, a nice big page, well done by some graphic designer, and uh, a photograph of of a galaxy, my stars. And then it's light years away. And the mind that made that will offer me an opportunity to think like he thinks. Isn't that something? If an angel met you, what would he say? How does God want to change your mind? Samuel poured oil on David and changed his mind from a shepherd boy to a king. Jesus changed his disciples' minds. They were commercial fishermen. That's all they knew was fish. He made them fishers of men. Peter, in one one day, could see 3,000 catches come to Christ. What a change. It took him three and a half years and longer. How does God want to change?